0: Welcome to the Pocket Coven Podcast, where magic meets mental health. I'm Amber Lenore, a witch and licensed psychotherapist.
1: I'm Callie Little, a sex educator and emotional support witch. And we're the
0: coven in your pocket. I like when we start the episode with you laughing. Oh, welcome to the Pocky Coven (laughs) Podcast,
1: where witches talk about things like Satan and eggs and animal crossing and
0: boundaries.
1: Today's episode is all about how boundaries are not a negative thing. They are, in fact, magic unto themselves. I'm a big fan of Boundaries. I'm not great with them in every way. It is a constant (laughs) practice, but there's also a reason that I am a relationship and sex coach, counselor, educator, whatever you want to call me. It's because it's something that I am always in the process of working on.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were trying to figure out what we would record about this week. We're like passing around ideas. It takes me and Callie approximately 45 seconds to figure out what to record about. And it's this process of like, how about this? How about this? No, how about this? Yeah, boundaries. Yeah, 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 yeah. And boundaries is a tip that both of us have been perpetually on, at least in the time that I've known Callie, which is a long time now. And especially lately, boundaries has really been up for both of us.
1: I think it makes sense with spring. You know, everything goes from the hibernation period of the year into aliveness and I mean this year especially everybody's boundaries are being tested and our boundaries within ourselves are the biggest thing because we can't set boundaries on others we can only set them for ourselves and then inform others of what our boundaries are and I mean
0: we're all being tested a lot we are all being tested a lot and it feels really prudent and important to have a boundaries episode right now I have been noticing the ways in which boundary work is being misunderstood or used in a way that it's not really supposed to be used. Like, I'm doing this thing to control your behavior because that's my boundary. I'm like, no, 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 that's not, no, that's not a boundary. That's not what we're talking about. So I'm going to give a definition of boundaries. It's very simple, just so that we're all on the same page. Beautiful. A boundary is a psychological demarcation that protects the integrity of an individual or group or that helps the person or group set realistic limits on participation in a relationship or activity.
1: I am just googling what demarcation means. (laughs) Like
0: a partition, right? Um, A wall. Okay, yeah, a
1: dividing line is what Google is telling me the action of fixing the boundary or limits of something, mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I love that. you know it comes up a ton in polyamory, um, which I say as a decade long poly person um, it It can be really hard to actually know what a boundary is and what setting a rule for someone else that they aren't necessarily wanting to agree to, like, what is the difference between those two things?
0: Do you have any thoughts on that as a therapist? (laughs) Yeah, I have so many thoughts on this. The idea of boundaries, that concept comes from a family systems theory, and that's one of my master's degrees, (laughs) is the systemic (laughs) way of looking at a family system I don't really work with big family systems, and I knew that I wouldn't. I knew that I was really concerned with groups and individuals, and I wanted to learn family systems theory because my idea, well, actually, no, this is not my idea. This is a long, long idea, the, the idea that all of us have different parts inside and they're all relating to each other. <clears throat> so I ascribed to that idea. I think that's what I'm trying to say. So I wanted to understand how the different parts would relate and, um, and connect or disconnect and use that for individual healing, right? So in family systems theory, there are three primary types of boundaries. We have rigid boundaries, we have porous boundaries, and we have healthy boundaries. A rigid boundary is like a wall, right? It's like keeping everything out. And there are really good reasons to set rigid boundaries. Like you don't get to hit me, that's a rigid boundary. I'm not going to let that flex, right? That's not going to happen. A porous boundary is like, I call it fuck my boundaries. You know, it is a boundary. (laughs) It is a boundary, but it's just, you know, everything gets through. An example of that from my own life is when I first started working with with people in a therapeutic way, even before I was a therapist. Um, My my boundaries, the clients were really porous. Um, The best example being when I took home one of my clients' things from the homeless shelter that she was evicted from, and I just kept her stuff in my basement for three years. Yeah, that's a really porous boundary. I should have said Mm. no, right? It created a lot of problems for me, and it didn't actually help her. A healthy boundary is flexible. It's adaptable. It's a bit porous, and it's a bit rigid, right? It's able to accommodate the individual and the other. There are some places where my boundary should be flexible here and there, and there's other times when it ought not to be. So that so if a healthy
1: boundary tends to have an amount of compromise to it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's an aspect of compromise because of these three boundaries, there's different areas of people's life where boundaries are expressed, right? And that's why mm-hmm. there needs to be some flexibility with boundaries. For example, you know, my physical boundaries might be really rigid. You don't get to touch me. You don't get to hit me. You don't get to do anything to my body without my consent. But my my professional boundaries might be really porous. Those are the two examples I've given, mm-hmm. you know, so far. <clears throat> or, you know, my relational boundaries might be really healthy. So we have different expression of boundaries depending on what area of our life that boundary is being expressed. So if my story is that this can never happen, whatever the this is, well, maybe in some areas it can happen and maybe other areas it can't happen. Maybe you can touch my body if you're my lover. Maybe you don't need to ask my consent all the time. Or if I'm in public, a stranger can't, right? So yes, flexible. There's some accommodating with a healthy boundary. Yeah. You know, this is reminding
1: me that part of what we need to go over in the in the second half, in the how-to, is how to recover from people um, violating our boundaries. Because things like, you're not allowed to touch me, like, yeah, we do set those boundaries. And people don't always respect that. So, you know, we're going to talk about some reclaiming of our spaces, some cord cutting, some clearing, some sacred self goodies, but I, I didn't realize that I wasn't setting very, I wasn't setting boundaries at all, really, for a good long while. And I think I've mentioned this in in a prior episode that my dear friend Kirill said, Callie. You try to set boundaries after they're violated. That's why you get so annoyed with people. And like, I'm if you meet me, you will not think that I'm like easily annoyed with people and, and I'm not. He just happens to know how uh deeply emotional <laughs> I can get. Um so that was a really good reflection to have because I was trying to retroactively reclaim my boundaries in a lot of ways, like with my time, my energy, um, especially in dating relationships and retroactive boundaries are where I find resentment comes up. It's when we don't set boundaries for ourselves and instead we expect others to rise to these uncommunicated expectations that we have. So, you know, an example would be me bending over backwards to accommodate somebody's schedule just because they text and ask like, hey, can we get coffee at this time on this day? If I'm not saying like I actually have work then, so if that's the only time you're available, I'm gonna have to rearrange my schedule and then instead I just say, sure, and I go to hours of effort to accommodate that, that's not actually having good boundaries. That's letting myself not show up for my needs. And of course I'm going to resent that person because I'm putting my own responsibility on them and they don't even know.
0: Exactly. This is really tricky shit, especially relationally. Many of us have relationships that are built upon us not having um, a healthy boundary, upon a porous boundary. There are so many friendships that had to go, um, <clears throat> especially in the last five years since coming to spiritual work and becoming a therapist because they were completely built upon me taking care of them. They, they, my, my sense of self was totally absent from that relationship. And then when I tried to assert a boundary or kind of come into to the relationship, because boundaries are also about your yes, they're, mm-hmm. they're not just about your no, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some of my shit. You're asking me to hold your stuff all the time. Well, here's some of mine. And then they're not capable, or they're not willing, or this this shift in role is destabilizing to the entire relationship, which is not me saying that boundary work means that the relationship that was created prior to the boundary realization needs to be pitched, but a lot of them do because that's the foundation of them. And someone who can move through that with you and accommodate boundaries and see them and let them evolve and change with you, then that's like a pretty healthy relationship, I think.
1: I agree. You know, we have to meet people where they're at. And so often in therapeutic work of any kind and in spiritual work, when we're talking about the evolution of the self, there it's routinely said like the more you come into yourself, the more people you will lose. But it's not like the healthy relationships, like you said. It's the relationships that are built on the expectation that you are actually violating your own boundaries. So even though it might feel like a really big loss, it's and that's okay, it can feel that way, what you're losing while painful is an unhealthy relationship. Exactly. If somebody is enjoying you stepping all over your own boundaries. That's not a healthy relationship, and
0: you losing it is actually a gift. Mm -hmm. yeah. A friend of mine posted on Facebook this this weekend something like, hey, how many of the people in your life understand you? Do you feel understood by the people in your life? And I commented, I usually don't comment on Facebook or really even uh, interact with it at all, but I felt compelled to. And I said, yeah, the people in my life understand me because those who are determined to misunderstand me or can't understand me, I've let go. They're gone. And I have no problem cutting a bitch out if, they, if they're if they determined to misunderstand me, which does not mean that we have to always agree. You can understand and not yeah. agree. Absolutely. And I was shocked by how many people on the thread were like, nope, nope, nope. I am not understood. I am not understood. And I felt just i don't know i think sad for those folks like do you know you have the option of doing this that doesn't mean it will be easy because boundaries are not popular they are not <laughs> boundaries are deeply rejecting when someone hears mm-hmm. no from you or they hear i need this from you they hear a new yes from you a new need is is expressed that is, oh, it's really hard for people. I have a hard time receiving people's boundaries. Don't you dare tell me no. You know, it's like really, really difficult to navigate. For sure. You know, in.
1: <laughs> I used to, back when the world had spaces where we could be around other people, um, there was a social group that I would teach consent workshops for. And I mean, why am I being nice? It was a sex party. (laughs) um, Like, of course it was. And I would do the little consent education part at the beginning of the parties um, with my my good pal, who I won't say their name (laughs) because I don't know if they tell people about it. (laughs) But one of the things that I would say in the consent workshop, as we're talking about like, you know, make sure that you check in about a lot of stuff because you never know where a person's at. So ask if you can sit next to them, et cetera. I would reference this beautiful thing that my spouse told me once, which is no is my second favorite answer to anything. Because like, even though of course I'm asking because I want to guess, a no means that I'm given the opportunity to respect them. And that is a bit of intimacy. And I love that so much. I love that you know, no, can be an invitation to care. It can be somebody saying like, I'm willing to be vulnerable enough with you that I will tell you what I know you don't want to hear. And then let's find a relationship after that. And I, I have had, you know, one of my loveliest friendships, <laughs> this man person, assist dude, uh, was giving me a massage. And I realized that you know, we're friends and I had been bracing for when it would like turn into a sexy thing. And I, this, it's not because I wasn't attracted to that person. I was all for the flirty vibes, but I just didn't want to have sex with him at that time. And so I said, Hey, you know what? I just realized that I've been like preparing for this to turn into sex, even though it's not what I want right now. So if we could just keep this to massage and making out without any expectation of sex, I would love that. And he was like, oh, my God, I love that you told me that. Yes, let's do all the things that feel great for both of us. And ever since then, like, I have loved that friend so much because of that experience. Because I did, you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings when you set a boundary. And so often we're like, oh, I have to be nice, especially those of us who've been socialized as female. We're taught that we have to accept anything. Like if somebody offers a drink in a bar, then they're like, oh, you're not drinking. Well, let me at least get you a soda. Let me get you a cranberry juice. And eventually, you know, breaking down our boundaries when we're allowed to say no. And it is an opportunity to get closer to us to say like, I hear that and I respect
0: it. Absolutely. You have a wonderful way of delivering boundaries with cushion on either side you do it with me quite a bit which I always love I I know what you're doing when you do it and I always appreciate it it's like hey I love you no hey I love you (laughs) (laughs) which is great the compliment sandwich (laughs) the boundary sandwich it's meaty it's delicious I love mayo anyway my boundaries (laughs) often my nose often feel like a punch in the face to other people and When my no's come out, they're kind of mean, and I have been working on that for a long time, and there's a good reason for that. I'm a survivor, and my physical, emotional, and um, I think intellectual boundaries were violated every single day of my childhood. So Mm -hmm. saying no was incredibly, incredibly hard for me. I have accepted many things in my life that I never wanted, um, especially the touch of strangers, like men coming up to me in public and touching me would paralyze me when I was in my early 20s. Um, Fuck, all my 20s. Because I would just go right back to being a kid. You just, you freeze. Like, you stay still. Just get it over with, get it over with. And so when I started asserting boundaries and I started saying no to things, it was like a scream, because there was so much grief. There's still so much grief over all the years, all the hours of every day for so long that I was not allowed to say no to anything. I spent most of my life not being able to say no much longer than the time that I have been saying no. I've probably only been saying no for about 10 years and I'm 38. So that's 28 Mm -hmm. years of boundary violations and, a lot of people resonate when I when I talk about this piece. Like my no feels like a punch in the face to people and I know that and I'm trying really hard to deliver a regulated no. I don't have to be soft. I don't have to be accommodating. That's another way in which I'm not having boundaries, but I also don't have to be abusive. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm seeking neutrality in my no's and it's incredibly difficult work.
1: I mean, as you know, somebody who's been close to you for that whole process, I've noticed that your, yeah, your nose have changed a lot. They used to be pretty aggressive and like, listen, y'all, if you love Amber, (laughs) you're going to see some aggression at some point and it may not be directed at you, but we have long identified as pit bulls and it's not because pit bulls are horrible, mean creatures. Rather, they're really fucking sweet, but they have been bred to fight and... If you take a sweet, loving creature and throw it into a pit with a bunch of evil shit, they're gonna fight back. So, you know, you are my Sagittarian queen. <laughs> and also, like I know I know so much about your day at this point by how you might deliver a no or even a he- like a mm, yeah. A non enthusiastic yeah. <laughs> because um, I know you're never going to lie to me. You're never going to say yes to something that you're not okay with. With me, in particular, I know that about our relationship. But um, and I trust that in all your relationships, really. And also, we're talking
0: about us, exactly. <laughs>
1: um, I <laughs> also my hyper awareness is definitely um, a beautiful curse slash gift. Uh, of being an autistic person who also has complex PTSD. I'm just hyper-tuned into shit. But I know that if you are in a place where you're like, mm, no, not today, I'm like, oh, Amber is regulated as fuck. <laughs> like, she's having a good day. She knows that we're in this trusting relationship, which we can all forget when we're in a bad moment. And <laughs> like the the other night when we were texting, troubleshooting uh, about a video to make. And you were like, I feel like there is an uncommunicated expectation on me. And I was like, no, there's not. I promise. And you were like, oh, I'm tired. Okay. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, oh yeah, girl is sleepy. Cause I'm like, yeah, whatever you want, send me a video. Like you could do whatever. It doesn't matter. And you're like,
0: "Ah." I'm scared now. What, is there an expectation I don't understand? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, you know, for me to be able to just say, oh, wow, I'm tired, you know, like that took a a really long time. Um, For me to say, is there... An uncommunicated expectation I'm not understanding instead of you're doing this to me which is you know an expression of grief from other areas of my life which is a valid feeling but the expression of that feeling isn't valid I used to get so in my head and angry when I saw things especially like tumblr era that were like your feelings are valid because you feel them and I didn't know why that frustrated me but now I understand Well, that's not untrue. They are valid because you feel them. They just might not be information about the here and now. I like to say you feeling that is
1: valid, even if the feeling is not. Because the feeling itself, if it's being manifested from a lie that we have internalized, the feeling is not actually valid. But our, our feeling it is because we've been programmed to feel a certain way. That's my personal take. Yeah. And I think that's great. I don't believe in you made me mm, 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 whatever. Yeah. No, you might be unhappy with how a person has behaved, but saying they made you like they made me think that I was safe in this relationship. They made me believe that they wanted something serious when they just wanted to fuck. Did they? Or did you internalize shit? And that's not to say that you're to blame. This isn't about blaming you. This is about uncommunicated expectations and placing the responsibility of that on somebody else. So it's fair for you to say, hey, I really wish that you would have told me that you just wanted to bone when I thought this was a serious relationship. But... You don't get to blame them for not communicating about the same thing
0: you didn't communicate about. Absolutely. And when we're doing this thing where we're always putting that power in someone else's hands, then we essentially feel disempowered. It might feel cathartic to say, you did this to me. And just a caveat, we're not talking about abuse right now. We're talking about interpersonal relationships and communication. Yeah. Someone abusing you is something that is being done to you, hands down. So let's just put that aside. That aside... Um, when, when it's all about you made me feel this way, then like, you don't have any power. You don't have any self-efficacy. The biggest breakthrough, the breakthrough in my chronic depression, which I'm still, I'll be working through chronic depression my whole life. It's a, it's a setting in my body, um, from childhood that I have to reset all the time. The thought that came through that changed the course was, oh, this is all me. I see. Okay. Oh, fuck. And that was relieving in the moment because then that told me I had the power to change it. By accepting that the way that I was living my life and conducting my relationships and denying my power and ability to change... By doing that, I was also removing myself from the ability to find any kind of solution. It was like depression was just happening to me. It was just circumstance. And it wasn't that the circumstances weren't enough to invite depression. They were. It wasn't my fault, but it was definitely res- my responsibility. It is always my responsibility to manage my depressed ass.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I, You and I, like I'm pretty sure just about everybody, um... Live with depression and anxiety issues because you, I mean, you told me in the beginning of your master's degree program that they're referred to as the common cold of the mind. Mm -hmm. They are. We're all dealing with anxiety and depression all the time. And something that I realized in my process of getting a hold on my depression, which, like you said, I mean, it is a lifelong process, is that overcoming depression is not actually like, it's not that something big changes in your life. It's that you show up for yourself over and over again. It's the actually really little things. It is that I wash my face before I go to bed. It's that I make sure to eat if I'm hungry. Like those sound so simple, I think. And you know what? that they're not they're not that simple when you live with a low dopamine production that is the chemical that makes you get out of your seat and do something you would not say that it's dumb to expect a car to drive if there's no gas in it Mm -hmm. if I don't have dopamine I'm not doing that shit easily if I force myself through it because I know that that will actually cause the dopamine to be produced slowly over time. That is amazing work. It's hard work. It's good for our depression and fuck it's so much. So like literally everybody's doing so much right now with managing a year plus in quarantine. I just want y'all to know, like we see that we are doing that work too
0: and know that you're doing it. And it's hard. It is hard and everything we're speaking to right now is to me like self boundaries, like how I manage all of yeah. my different parts. And thinking of myself in different parts is really helpful because <laughs> then I'm able to figure out like who needs a rigid boundary. Hey, self-abusive one, the one who tells me that I'm a piece of shit. Yeah, I'm going to put up a nice rigid boundary with you because I don't need you to talk to me like that. Another part of me, my creative self, I want a nice porous boundary with her. I really want her to come Mm -hmm. in. Like, she's afraid to come in, so she needs a more porous boundary. A porous boundary is not always a bad thing, especially when it's for something that is really needed, right? She is so scared to come forward. She feels so vulnerable. So I'm going to make this really, really fucking easy for her, and I'm going to put the boundary down as much as I possibly can.
1: Yes, I always say to myself and my clients, find
0: the point of least resistance. I would love to just give some, just some quotes around different kinds of boundaries, like different areas of your life, because uh, we're not at this part yet, but we'll get there and I'll talk a little bit more about this. You need to be able to define your boundaries in the areas that need the boundary work in order to set them. So, you know, learning about boundaries, learning about how they work can be really helpful as a first step. <clears throat> so, we have physical boundaries. They refer to a person's personal space and physical touch. Healthy physical boundaries include an awareness of what's appropriate and what's not in various settings and types of relationships. So, pretty pretty direct, and what is appropriate mm-hmm. really depends on the person. Neither of us ascribe to a uh, simple definition of appropriateness. Like it really depends on who is perceiving. Yeah, agreed. Intellectual boundaries refer to thoughts and ideas. Healthy intellectual boundaries include respect for others' ideas and an awareness of appropriate discussion. Again, appropriate is defined by the context. Intellectual boundaries are violated when someone dismisses or belittles another person's thoughts or ideas. Then we have material boundaries that refer to money and possessions. Don't touch my stuff. (laughs) 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 Healthy material boundaries involve setting limits on what you will share and with whom. For example, it may be appropriate to lend a car to a family member, but probably not to someone that you met this morning. Mm -hmm. And a big one, a big one, I know that all of our listeners are going to really feel this. Time boundaries. They refer to how a person uses their time. To have healthy time boundaries, a person must, must set aside enough time for each facet of their life, such as work relationships and hobbies. Time boundaries are violated when another person demands too much of another's time. I also take time boundaries to mean how much space someone is allowed to take up in my head, which is not mm-hmm. always something I feel like I have a lot of control over. I'm a ruminator, like most anxious people are. So creating structures that allow me to set a more rigid boundary around how much space someone can live rent-free in my head, like especially clients, like you don't get to live in my head. That's a time boundary. I'm not being paid right now. This is my time. And when I'm not able to do that, I am grumpy. I am so grumpy. It just feels like everybody's taking too much space. Really what's happening is that my internal space is clogged. Uh, with so many other people's feelings and affects and stories and emotions, I went to grab Callie yesterday, and I've been working through a crappy mood all morning, and I shared with her that what I was working through was feeling um, like I'd absorbed all of my clients' experiences. And I was actually taking on their thoughts. I was taking on their feelings. I was taking on their problems. And it took effort, not just a cognitive reframe, like, oh, I shouldn't do that. It took physical effort, effort. like, I'm going to go outside. I'm going to rub my body on the grass. I'm going to drink some water. I'm going to make a meal. I'm going to eat something that feels good to me. I'm going to dress a certain way. I had to do much more than just tell myself to stop doing it. Yeah, and by the time that you got from
1: your house to mine, you had successfully regulated because, I I mean, I remember you saying, like, I remembered that I like to drive a certain way. I like to do certain things while I'm driving. I like certain music. So I did that. When we are feeling like, oh, all these people are demanding so much of me. They're taking up my space. Like, it's valid to feel that way. And also,
0: so take up your space. And it's exactly what you did. Mm-hmm. I just needed to listen to Outcast rub my tummy (laughs) counterclockwise and put on my heated seat in my new car, which is so decadent. I've never had a heated seat and it feels really good every time. (laughs) And that was a spell. That was a spell. Boundaries are spells. They are invocations. Yes.
1: As Anne Lamott, famous writer, famous white woman with dreads, which are absolutely problematic, y'all please at me if you don't understand why I'm happy to tell you about it. Um, Anne Lamott says no is a complete sentence. Ooh, it's so good. It is. It's a fucking complete sentence. You do get to just say no. Also, <laughs> if, <laughs> if you are like, oh, my spouse is demanding so much of me, and they say, Hey, can we have dinner together? And you say, No, I'm like mm, maybe that's not going to create the best outcome for you, even if it is valid for you to just say no. Um, and that's where things like porous boundaries come up. Like you're allowed to say, No, you're allowed to say, Actually, I can't right now because I really do have this deadline or whatever it is you're working with. But what I can do is I can make sure that we go to bed at the same time. I can make sure we have breakfast together in the morning. You can say no and then come up with alternative solutions and that helps build the relationship. And hey, guess what? Building a relationship is also a ritual.
0: hmm <laughs> Well, that speaks to emotional boundaries, which is on, on my list, I got so into time boundaries that I kind of spun off in a direction. But emotional boundaries refer to a person's feelings, Healthy emotional boundaries include limitations on when to share and what to share and when not to share. Emotional boundaries are violated when someone criticizes, belittles, or invalidates another person's feeling. Boundaries are part of our lives. I mean, from
1: head to toe, inside out, um, they're true with others. They're true with our lives. Most importantly, they're true with ourselves because we are the directors of them we do set our boundaries. And again, we're not talking about abuse. Abuse is a violation of our boundaries. We're talking about operating within standard world,
0: everyday life. We're talking about how you manage your energy and that is different than abuse. And energy is both vague and nonspecific as it needs to be. And it can be specific depending on what you're talking about. How you manage your emotional energy, your physical energy, your relational energy, your, your somatic energy. Understanding what all of those things are will help you have more information about what the boundaries need to look like on that. Like, for instance, right now, my boundary around my physical body has been way too rigid. I'm like, we're not moving right now. That does not help me. There's one part of me that really does not want to move, the rest of me is suffering because of that, right? So being able to be introspective about the different aspects of yourself and how your energy is being used or not used, right, untapped, or maybe energy is being filtered somewhere else. I have always felt that anxiety is just misused energy. And that's one of the great things about it anxiety is that it can be molded and it, it can be used in other areas you can you can transfer it over to another area if you use your will and we're witches we use our will to create change that's what we're doing that's what a spell is <laughs> and that is what boundaries are
1: so let's see i mean we're talking a lot about rituals mm-hmm. But let's talk about some actual Mm -hmm. focused magic we can do both in the moment and also to just build boundaries. I immediately, like I'm thinking about the hermit card. I think if you... Are dealing with like a lot of folks in your life being like hey I know that you know rates are down for infections blah 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 let's have a picnic and you're like nah I you know what meditate with the hermit card because that that dude has some boundaries he knows the power of the sacred self and I I think that's a really empowering card to work with also the hermit is the card of the sign of Virgo As Virgo, I can tell you, we do know how to have good boundaries. We love a container in every way. Literally, we love organization, (laughs) figuratively. We love mental organization. And it's a good sign to meditate on if you're needing some extra personal space.
0: Absolutely. And witchcraft gives us a lot of different structures for using boundaries. I mean, casting a circle is boundaries, I am casting a circle of protection Mm -hmm. when I do spell work because I am setting boundaries between me and any other entity or deity that might want to fuck with me. I have a simple incantation that I really like for protection and for boundary setting. Okay, big breath. Mm -hmm. Here we go. (sighs) I call my energy back. I release all energy that is not my own. I release all energy that is not of use to me. I am grounded and centered within myself. I, uh,
1: I want to say with that, I think calling that in, putting the hermit on your altar, and also pairing the incantation, the card, and some crystals is a great idea. And I think for Boundaries in particular, a really, really good pairing of crystals that I've been working with is Rose Quartz and Black Tourmaline. Because Rose Quartz is all about self-love. We often think of it as interpersonal love. And sure, but where does love come from within ourselves? So Rose Quartz for all that juicy self-love vibe, because when you're loving yourself, you're respecting yourself too. And Black Tourmaline for absorbing all the bullshit. Everybody else's bullshit, your own bullshit, all of the shit that you don't want to be taking into your life so maybe put the black tourmaline like in your left hand imagine energy flowing in and out through that and basically all the gunk being soaked up into that blackness and then new energy radiating from your right hand with the rose quartz
0: so a porous boundary around self-love and a rigid boundary around everyone else's bullshit (laughs)
1: yes oh yes let the love in
0: when it needs to come in yes 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 i would like to read a quote from weave the liminal laura tempest zarkoff quoted her before really like her i want you to apply this quote to your day this is about casting a circle i think that the concept of casting a circle can be really helpful if you're thinking about your day as a spell Everything you're doing today is casting a spell. You are using your will all day long. So if you are creating a circle of protection around your day, not just when you're sitting at your altar and doing rituals, then I think we can be more effective and be more boundaried. So the the quote is, People cast circles for many reasons, and in an even larger variety of ways. Casting a circle can create temporary sacred space wherever you are, almost like having a psychic sleeping bag or tent If you don't have a somewhat permanent place to do work, casting a circle helps make that temporary space workable for your needs. Many folks cast a circle to act as a container for energy and entities, while others design their circle to keep unwanted energy out. For some people, casting a circle involves great pomp and circumstance, really hauling out the ceremonial magic to call directions, elements, and spirits. At the other end of the spectrum, a circle can be cast simply by using the mind and breath without a word spoken. I like that she has this this spectrum of ways that a a circle can be cast. So apply that to your day. You could create a completely uh, ritualistic morning routine you totally could. Sometimes I do. I'm doing my morning pages. I'm calling the corners in my yard. I am doing my tarot cards. That creates a boundary, a circle of protection around my day, and I do feel better on those days, and sometimes I do not have the desire to do that for whatever reason. Some other part of me is leading, and she's not for it, so just taking a big breath out and saying, I call my energy back to me is sometimes all I have. I notice a huge difference between days where I create a circle of protection and days where I don't. When I am more porous because there's no circle around me, I'm not as well. And things get in that I don't really want to be there. And I keep doing this thing with myself where I'm like, I don't need to do that. Like I'm bigger than that. I don't need to be casting a circle every day. And every fucking time I just absorb everybody else (laughs) and I work I do about 30 sessions a week of trauma focused therapy that's 30 hours a week that I hold other people of being in
1: other people's trauma right
0: and I'm like we don't need to have a cat yeah we do girl like we need to like this is a rigid boundary you need to have a circle of protection even if it's just taking a minute to slow down and take a breath and just having reverence for what you're about to do which is hold other people's pain it's so, it's so easy to violate our own
1: boundaries and to feel like, you know, I, I immediately thought of my medication. Like, when my medication is working, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so mentally well. I don't need medication. Wait, it's just working. That's <laughs> <Exactly>. it. <laughs> so, like, when you're feeling good, it's not because you can now stop all your healthy behaviors. Listen, if you don't have cavities, that doesn't mean you stop brushing your teeth. (laughs) It means you keep up the good work you've been doing to keep yourself well. And you know what? Sometimes you don't have a fuckload of energy. Sometimes a shower is the most impossible task and just doing that is a big deal. And you know what? If you can take a shower, imagine all of those cords being washed off of you. I love to do shower rituals Uh, I can really struggle to take showers on my worst depressive days and bringing a little bit of salt in a jar and maybe some coconut oil if I really want to moisturize myself, Um, maybe some sugar if I need some sweetness given to myself. I scrub the shit out of my body with that and I will just recite a mantra. Like I'll, I'll think of something that helps me. Like I am full of love. I radiate love. All I need is within me it doesn't really matter. It's whatever I need in that moment. And sometimes that's all I can do. Also, sometimes just putting a little salt in my food and being like, please purify me. Thank you. (laughs) Great.
0: (laughs) Lazy witches are still witches. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is so much dichotomy, dualism, paradox when it comes to this Topic, every topic. That's part of why we record this podcast is to explore all the different dimensions. And I have kind of an unexpected quote that I'm excited about. I'm like grinning about it. Um, so it's from Rick and Morty. <laughs> okay. Kelly's right. like, what? So this is from the pickle Rick episode where Rick turns himself into a pickle in order to avoid going to family therapy and actually facing his problems. <laughs> so so at the end of the episode, he goes into the therapist's office and he sits in the chair, still a pickle, he's exhausted, and he, uh, he belittles the therapist and just kind of tears apart her whole deal. She says, you seem to alternate between viewing your own mind as an unstoppable force and as an inescapable curse, and I think it's because the only truly unapproachable concept for you is that your mind is within your own control You choose to come here and you choose to talk, you choose to belittle my vocation, just as you choose to become a pickle. You are the master of your universe and yet you are dripping with rat blood and feces. Your enormous mind (laughs) literally (laughs) vegetating by your own hand. I have no doubt that you'd be bored senseless with therapy, the same way that I'm bored when I brush my teeth and wipe my ass. Because the thing about repairing, maintaining and cleaning is it's not an adventure. There's no way to do it so wrong you might die. It's just work. And the bottom line is that some people are okay doing work and some people, well, some people would rather die. Each of us gets to choose. Mm. Wow, that's a deep cut from a
1: show that I cannot subject my eyeballs to. I love Rick and (laughs) Morty. I support all those who love it. I just find it so ugly. But you know what? I also love Big Mouth, which is arguably uglier. It makes me so. nauseous
0: now. <laughs> oh, the, the cum pillow, I just couldn't do it. But anyway. Oh God. <laughs> for those who have not seen
1: Big Mouth, whew. man, that last season, I, I'm not here for it, but
0: but I, I hear you. Yes. Unexpected wisdom from unexpected places.
1: It's true. We, uh, you know what? There's nothing new in this universe, so it makes sense for some wisdom to pop up in some weird adult cartoons. (sighs) If you would like to hear about the boundaries of allowing creativity, pleasure, and all sorts of goodness into your life and how that can be a struggle, we are going to be sharing that as our Patreon bonus content this week. You can get access to that and every single installation of our bonus content by becoming a patron at the witch level or above. And if you just want to join at the initiate level, which is level one, I think that's $3 a month, you will get access to a few bits of extra content. We're trying to make about monthly bonuses for that level. And if you want to join us in the book club, it's not too late. You can join at the
0: book club tier. Yes, And please please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I would love to read a short little cutie that we got a few weeks ago. I want to be friends with Callie and Amber. <laughs> I'm a solitary, and it's hard to find witchy friends in my small rural town. This podcast is the perfect blend of therapy, witchcraft, and the simple joy of two best friends talking to interesting people and affirming each other. That is true. Easy listening with tough discussions. Mm. But for real, Amber and Callie, if you're looking for a third best friend, give me a call. Listen, Ember. Oh, God, they always have the strangest, <laughs> the strangest names. Mm-hmm. ix <laughs> Um, Yeah, dude. Yeah, you're already our friend. <laughs> Thank you.
1: It's true. And uh, you can, if you want to chat with us, you can like us on Facebook. And we have a page there now. So facebook.com slash
0: I, I think it's Pocket I coven. think so, too. If you, if you look for the Pocket and you'll find it. And we're still small enough of a podcast that we'll answer your DMs. Like, Callie is, I, I look on our Instagram, I'm like, damn, Callie, look at you answering everyone's DMs. I aspire to be so big that we're like, I don't have time. But I, at this moment, we're still not, like, super <laughs> famous, so we'll talk to you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. We're actually just two regular weirdos who spend multiple hours a day playing Animal Crossing in between our busy ass schedules. But like, I often respond with voice memos to DMs. I love talking to people who love the show because it, it really does remind me that we're not doing this for nothing. Um, it's hard to remember that the work is not a void and it means a ton. So if you want to chat with us,
0: we're just going to squeal about how amazing you are. That's yeah, it. just squealing hit us up and we want to, ah, we want to squeal at you. Um, yeah. Thank you for being on this journey with us. We love you. We love you. We'll
1: see you next week. I was really excited. This was actually the very first sponsor that you and I reached out to Mm -hmm. because we really wanted to build relationships with actual therapeutic tools into the podcast.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the biggest struggles I have as a therapist is just wrestling with the inaccessibility of mental health treatment. So because BetterHelp can do therapy from their home and do it remotely, that means that people, you know, they don't have to go anywhere, which can actually be a thing. Like if you don't have a car access, getting to a clinic can actually be difficult. Mm -hmm. So just the convenience of being able to be at home, I think is really important. And then that increases the possibility that people will actually utilize therapy.
1: Yeah. I know that It has felt like a significantly lessened burden for me to be able to do therapy from home just on my phone. And I really hope that the world just gets more comfortable with virtual therapy in general because of where we're at in the
0: world. I agree. And I think it's important that mental health consumers have the ability to have a say in who their provider is. As a therapist, I definitely, you know, I meet a new client and I'm like, well, you know, I don't think we're a good fit. So can I help you find someone who is? Or they tell me I'm not a good fit and that's fine. I think we really need to normalize that. And with BetterHelp, you can change anytime and choose a different provider if they're not a good fit for you. Because likely, you know, you might need to try on, you know, a few different kinds of providers before you find the one that's right for you. Having therapists
1: who are capable of helping me with my specific needs. And to say that they offer that worldwide is really cool to me. Mm -hmm. really like that BetterHelp has financial aid available for people.
0: This is a long-term therapeutic process, so this isn't a crisis line. It's different than that. It is not a self-help line. It's different than that. So it's a therapeutic relationship that needs to build consistently. So that's what you can get. And
1: because BetterHelp is partnering with us, you can go to BetterHelp.com/slash PocketCoven, and you can actually get 10% off of your first month. If within that time you decide you don't like your therapist, you can, as Amber said, just easily switch to a different one. It's super accessible, and it's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. slash pocket coven that will get you 10% off it'll get us just a little bit of a kickback so it's a great way to support the podcast and your well-being at the
0: same time